Train Shuffling is brought to you by Midgard Hobbies and Games, your friendly local game store located in Derry, New Hampshire. Most importantly, we're brought to you by our wonderful patrons. If you'd like to buy a share of Train Shuffling, visit us at patreon.com slash trainshuffling. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Train Shuffling. We're back. It's your podcast about trains. I'm Eric Hyden. I'm Johnny Hollander. And it's just about trains. We've decided no more 18xx games, just straight up trains. Johnny, what do you think about trains? I'm not a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Hate them. <laughs> Cancel this thing. Um, hey, everyone. Uh, it, this is episode 28. I think I already said that. But before we get started, well, let's receive starting capital. I sound like a talk show host. I don't know, I don't know why. Uh, we'd like to thank our Robber Baron level patrons, Joe S, Joe L, Mason R, Eric S, and Philip C. We have quite a few of them. We got some new additions. Yeah. Uh, we'll thank our random patron this episode, and that is Lily Gould uh, of Make Craft Games. If you are unaware of Lily and her productions, go check her out on YouTube and Twitter. She does some good stuff. She makes things and plays games. And uh, we, we, as we mentioned, we have some new patrons that have joined us since the last time we did a roundup. We've done some informal episodes, and uh, it's been a while. So we would like to thank Alan Brandt, Michael Alexander, Nick Dalen, Philip Chen, Eric Smith, and Jay Hoover for joining us uh, on the Patreon. It's very appreciated, as always. Uh, helps us keep it going. And... Actually, we are in the process of buying another microphone for the stream so we can get our five-player games in, and we have purchased uh, a fourth mic, so we will be talking about an, upsc- an upcoming stream that we'll be using that at the end of the show. We're going to try to do more frequent streams. We don't have yeah. a, a, an exact schedule, but we'd like to try for at least, at least one a month if we can. Yep. Yeah. Shooting for one a month, um, and we will be potentially intermixing some Age of Steam in there. We started playing Age of Steam. Um, well, we've only played, I've only played twice. Um, recently, Johnny couldn't make the first one, but we got a group of people together that are interested and enjoy that game and are happy to play it on repeat. So um, it's something that we've, Johnny and I have both wanted to do for a while, but we haven't, you know, it's like the shelf of shame thing. We have 100 games that you want to play. Yeah. Um, so they are happy to meet at his place. So we'll probably end up streaming uh, one, of, one of those games every once in a while. So if you like yeah, Age of Steam, be, check out the channel. Yeah, it'll be good to intersperse it too because you know one of the problems is it's not always easy to schedule these longer games, the 18xx games. So this will be something to hold you guys over in between 18xx streams. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we'll move on to private auction. That's housekeeping and corrections. We, well, we, I, Len and I, when we did our roundup of 1862, we had all sorts of problems. Um, we made mistakes on which companies we launched and, and stuff, but they're mostly details that like don't really matter. Um, so, oh, well, sorry, we messed up. At least we talked about them. The, the game. I forgive you. Thank you. So what happens involved. when I'm not invited? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, so we're going to move along to the initial stock round. No, we're not. We're going to skip it because we didn't have any questions because we didn't ask one because they were, they were shorties. Yeah, so lay some track then. Yeah. 
Let's do it. There's there's a fair amount here because it's been a while. Yeah. So um, we just received uh, our copies of 18DO. And we're, I know that a bunch of other people have. So that's first order of news. And we just got a notification about, I keep pointing with my finger. Pointing with a hook. We, <laughs> in an upward motion. We just got uh, uh, a notification that 1848 shipped from GMT. So yep. You'll probably be seeing that soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We have some some streaming to do. 18DO, 1848, uh, some of the cube rails, um, Irish gauge, not Irish gauge, Iberian gauge, um, bunch of bunch of good stuff that we want to stream. Uh, in addition to those two, AAG Wave 4 games, I believe are shipping or shipped on November 15th, and we can expect them in December-ish. So wave wave five. So that's another thing is that uh, All Board Games has put up a a poll on BGG for what games should be considered for wave five, and uh, of the big games that were posted, eighteen twenty two P N W, the Pacific Northwest, uh, designed by Ken Kuhn, um, and eighteen twenty two U S. So lots of twenty two twenty two love. They they lead the poll. Uh, and then 18GB and 18NY are, are close behind. I think 18... And it should... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, I think 21 Moon was, was like doing okay, and like 18SJ as well. Oh, yeah, I'm not, not sure. I don't have that up anymore. Um, I was going to say, I, I, I don't know the exact disclaimer, but I think Scott said something about that the voting wasn't necessarily going to determine which or what order he... He releases games, and it was, uh, you know, he wanted to gauge interest, but I don't think there was any commitment that like the winners of the the poll are going to be his next games or get published at all necessarily. Right. Yeah, he's trying to gauge interest, and he said that he wanted to get like three hundred votes to uh, to to say I'm going to print this game as sort of a rough metric. Uh, there's also like a new a Cube Rails game, non-committal P500. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, a bunch of other interesting games on that list. Though, um, a new Cube Rails game by Ian Scrivens, who did uh, 18 Ireland. Um, 1848, The Golden Spike, the, the one true 1848, not the 1848 that, we, that just got published confusingly. That's on there. That's like a massive game. That was the game that uh, Lawson Track was invented for. Um, oh, right, but yeah. we never actually saw it published. 1866 by Simon Cupforth. There's some really some cool stuff on there. Yeah. SJ... I swear, wasn't twenty? Wasn't Moon on there? I don't know anything about uh, twenty. I think yeah, twenty-one uh, Moon has one hundred and ninety-three votes. Anyway, uh, wait, five more games can happen through AAG. That's not surprising. I feel like we're probably going to be seeing like uh, like a release a quarter, at least tw- at least twice a year. I think it's got to slow down. I mean, maybe the maybe purchasing will slow down when people start running out of money, but. I can't imagine that, uh, I mean, there's so many titles out there that are unpublished, so he's, he's got a, quite a large pool to pull from for quite a long time, as long as people are willing to buy him. Yeah. I guess this was actually a, a little while ago. I don't know the date this was announced, so most of you probably already know about this, but um, 18 Space India. <laughs> 18 India was announced. Uh, it's by the Trax guys, and it's going to be published by GMT Games. And um, I think Eric's first 
reaction was what's with the space in between 18 and India. It was. And uh, yeah. we're now we're now trying to uh lobby for the removal of said space. Yeah. Roll it back. <laughs> Roll it back. Just <laughs> why? Why guys? Why? Um yeah, so 18 India is interesting. So we didn't actually mention, but we're gonna be talking about 18 Africa in this episode. I'm sure that you saw that in the title of the episode. Um and 18 Africa and 18 Ind- India share common roots. They were both inspired by 1829 mainline, I believe. So there'll be some crossover. If you re- have you read, have you? Uh, if you have read any of the articles that the Tracks guys wrote up and published through GMT's blog, you'll know that there's some ideas that, that, that are shared between these two games. Uh, one of the things that, that they had mentioned, uh, there's a big discussion about um, how much of the randomness from 18 Africa was, was going to be in 18 India. And they did say that they've uh, removed uh, most, if not all, of the output randomness from 18 Africa. All, but they've definitely might, trimmed some of it. Okay. Maybe it's not all, but, but I know that was uh, a lot of XX players are not uh necessarily fans of output randomness and i know that was kind of a hot button topic when it was announced go fig go figure yeah um and they did they did respond to it and i don't have uh, unfortunately i don't have it available right now um, we can put actually there, two two of the articles that they have posted there's mitigating randomness part one and part two we'll put in the show notes yeah cool. and you can click there or you can go to google and type GMT game. Never mind. I don't know. We'll give you the link. <laughs> Go to google.com slash. <laughs> let me go. We'll put a link to a Let me Google that for you in there. <laughs> okay. Yep. So that's 18 India. That's, that's, I'm interested. After having played 18 Africa, I am interested to see what they did with the system or with the, you know, some of these ideas because a lot of them are pretty cool. And the last bit of news we have is Westford, Westward Rails uh, is a new Cube Rails game from Travis Hill that's being published by Hollenspiel Games. And that was, sort of caught us uh, by surprise, I think. That was developed and published pretty quickly. Um, I believe I saw, when I saw the pictures of the map, I recognized it as something that Travis had posted a long time on Twitter, a long time ago on Twitter when he kind of said like, Designing a new game today, and it was like a year or two ago. Never heard much else on that, and then boom, it's being published. So I think it's a PRR, like a Prairie Railroad thing. Oh, I, yeah, I don't honestly, I don't know anything about Westford Rails. Uh, I just am not surprised to see Travis's name pop up again. He seems to yep. be doing a lot. Yeah, he's doing work. You ready to lay tokens? Yes. And all right, let's talk about. So, this is uh, Titles of Interest, New Buys, what we've been playing. So, Eric, I'm going to let you give the first big piece of news since you physically took possession of this. We got <laughs> our massive box of board games from Golden Spike Games in the mail last week. It was very exciting and also a little stressful because well, it's like $1,000 worth of games. It was $1,000 worth of games. It was scary. Uh, we insured it. I've never insured a board game shipment before, but I got it. I was like, I'm paying for the insurance on that one. Um, and that was a bunch of games for Johnny, a bunch of games for me, and we actually had a, a game for a, another of our friends in there as well. So 
Um, what, what do we get? We got some good stuff. I, I have, I'm looking at a copy of 1841 and 18 Neb on my shelves. That's exciting. And I also have 1841, 1826, 18, I know it starts with an 18. Yeah, 18 GB. And, uh, so no, 18 EU. EU. 18. Yes, you got your own copy of EU. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, oh, and, 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 <laughs> Um, which were hidden inside a box of one of your games, the uh, tiles for 1854, the original set. So I have the, yeah, uh, he's holding them up to, uh, yeah, they're right here to show me. Um, <laughs> so I ordered, uh, I have the new copy of 1844 and 54, and I keep hearing how I haven't even played 54 at all, but, uh, I keep hearing how much better the original tile set was. So I figured I'd get that and play it on the, the new map. I don't know if the map changed at all or if it's just graphics, but... Uh, I don't know. Um, um, but anyways, I, yeah, I'm excited for that. When we, when we ordered those games, I was like... Or when we paid for them. <laughs> I was like, this is insane. Probably, that's so much money. And then I remembered that it's that way for a reason. And then it's like, you know, 18 months or so we were waiting for those. And we kind of kept going like, all right, well now, you know... Uh, we, we added a game in here and there. We subtracted a game here and there. Uh, and Jeff is probably annoyed uh, from <laughs> like, okay, the, okay, it's the train shuffling guys again. They want to change the order. Awesome. I haven't even <laughs> I mean, looked that's at the freaking order yet. That's <laughs> what happens when you have so much time to think about what you've done. Yeah. You can get buyer's remorse before you've even bought it. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, budgeting for it was awkward because it's like, I guess I should just stick this money in a, in a suitcase somewhere and forget about it until... Uh, so I'm not surprised when it comes up, but anyway, we got I them. I sell They're my here. guitars just to pay for them. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> um, so let's, let's talk about, so, so those games are going to be fun to play. I have opened mine, but, and, and that's how I found Johnny's Tiles, but I actually don't even know how to play Neb or 41. 41's, I'm hoping for someone to swoop in and teach that uh, to me. Do you hear that, Dave? Dave, are you listening? Teach us. <laughs> It's a, it's a good thing that you open your games because I would have uh, totally forgotten about those tiles and it could have been years yeah. if it was me before I found yeah. them. Didn't I order something? I think I have more, I think I have more shrink-wrapped 18xx than I have opened on my shelf at this point. I have one. 18DOs and shrink because I didn't open it yet. Oh no, 2038 too. What, do you, what have you been playing? Um, well... We played 18 Africa, of course. Uh, and since I'm not doing the online online games, that's actually the only one I've played since the last time we recorded, unfortunately. I'm kind of having withdrawals. I'm having you withdrawals. You also got married. So, you know, yeah. congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody, Johnny's been, Johnny's been playing the marriage game. The game of life. Blue peg, Ooh. pink peg kind of thing. <laughs> you also have played Age of Steam. Why don't you tell us how the, the game of Age of Steam went since we're going to talk about 18 Africa? Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, uh, it was great. Um, there was five of us and two of five went bankrupt on turn two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric very nearly did. He ended up with zero income. Uh, on, or on, on, the, on the zero of the income track on that turn. And, uh, but he, he clawed his way back onto the board right before falling into the chasm of certain doom. I made some money by the end. 
<laughs> you were positive by the end? Yeah, I made I made right. actual profit, <laughs> barely. And uh, and I, I ended up winning, of course. Uh, of course. Of course. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I did end up winning, but I was kidding about the of course part. Um, what was interesting about that? So one of the two bankruptcies decided that he was going to, as his dying action, lay some track that was going to make life difficult for me and Eric. And uh, it made life difficult for Eric, but it was pretty nice for me. Yeah. And then Eric decided that he also was going to be on my team and laid some pretty, ni- pretty nice uh, urbanization for me. I was in survival oh, and- mode and, <laughs> and had to put, I urbanized a nice city that, that for me that Johnny also was like, oh, I want, wanted that there too. Thank you. And it was, it was the like, only place I delivered to for the rest of the game. Yep. It was great. Really cool. Um, I like Age of Steam a lot. And that was on the Rust Belt map, so it was just the kind of no-frills map for anybody not familiar. It's like the basic. I was... I knew about Age of Steam and was completely uninterested in it for years. And then maybe... a six months or a year after they published the deluxe edition shortly after you got it, but not as long as it's been that you've been trying to get me to play it. I, I got interested and then, no, I was sad when I first got it. Cause I got it during the Kickstarter mm. and, uh, and I, and you know, you're my main gaming, uh, partner and you didn't have much interest and in I didn't think it was ever going to get to the table. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but something happened that made you interested all of a sudden. Maybe I mean, I mean, we we played online. We played on uh, TTS once, and it was pretty, pretty great. I loved that. Um, oh, is that what is that what turned you around? Actually, I mean, like it? actually playing it. Yeah, was was okay. helpful. The one time we we tried to play it at a con, and I was like getting nauseous in the middle of learning it, and I just had to bail. Um, was, like, physically ill, not from the mm. game, but just like feeling bad. Um, I remember that. I still yeah, think you were faking it. I was not. I was not. It was I think, authentic. I think Allie gave you a look that says, if you come to bed now, things will be good for you. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh, boy. <laughs> uh, that was not, that was not it. Anyway, um, I have played some games. I've played a, a bunch of online games, um, regular 46 plays. I've played 61 and 22 plus online with, uh, mostly with patrons. And yeah, no, all with patrons. And uh I'm in the middle of a game of 1817 and 1830 right now. And those are difficult. It's funny because I'm playing both of those with Kyle, who knows both of those games very, very well. And he's playing with a bunch of us who don't play them very Crush, well crushing often. You. Uh, well, it's not so much that. I mean, of course. Yeah. But, you know, he'll make these little offhand comments like, what is what is going on? Like, why? Oh, you did you did that? Okay, all right, sounds good. Um, not sure why he did that or whatever. He's you know, and he's got his own meta, and uh, he just said in one of in, in the eighteen thirty thread, he just said, "This is the weirdest game." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't play thirty enough to know why, but um, you know, I'm sure you'll find out as yeah. the game goes. Well, and he's very helpful um, and will explain, you know, why, what he's thinking very freely, which is, which is great. 
um, helping us get better. But it's because he's not I, I then fail to retain any of that, and then I go through it again the next time I play with him. <laughs> so that's those are the games we're playing. And then, yeah, of course, 18 Africa, um, which we'll talk about now. Running Trains. Juju. Yeah, so this, this is, is going to be just like a first impression. Um, we played uh, part of one game, actually, uh, despite it taking us about five hours. Um, we were probably a third of the way through the game by, I think, Joe's estimation was we still had quite a bit left to go. A third? I thought it was uh, maybe a half. Two thirds or a half. Oh, I got the feeling we had a lot, a lot more. Maybe I might be wrong. I might be misremembering. I thought we had a lot more to go. Mm. I think it was we at least pretty half. slow. Yeah, we were learning. Yeah. We like argued over some rules and stuff. And anyway, part of a game, Un- we an got unknown, the, yeah, quantity. We got an impression. We have an impression. Is and it good or bad? It's it, that's it. That's all we're gonna say. Um, <laughs> it is for me. It is good. There is a little bad, but we'll talk about it. Let's let's talk about what makes this game interesting and the the differences that it presents. The... I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like Quentin Tarantino this and like give my impression, and then we can t- and then talk about like details. Okay. So my overall impression after playing some part of a game is that it has some really cool, creative, unique ideas that I haven't seen anywhere else. That are coupled with some ideas that I don't think add any value to me personally and add to more of a chance of of uh, potentially frustrating games. Mm. But I think that there's a lot, a lot of cool things that I'd like to see in other games without the fluff that I don't appreciate. Yeah, I that's feel roughly the same. Yeah, yeah. That's roughly the same for me after one play. I would, I would try it again. Um, yes, absolutely. But I'm probably not going to go seeking it out personally yeah. but you know we want to talk is... about a little oh sorry yeah 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 let's do that before we go so pooing on it too, too yeah hard. yeah so we'll kind of go over we're not going to go through all of the rules but we're gonna um uh, actually the list kind of turned into quite a long list because there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of quirks to it so but we're going to go through some of the differences um that make this unique uh, to start with the very beginning of the game, you have a deck of shares, and about half of the deck uh, ends up being dealt out to players. You end up with eight cards, eight shares in your hand, uh, hidden from everyone else. And everyone chooses four to keep. These are basically you're purchasing the right to buy these shares. You don't pay for them until you actually put them into play. Uh, and then you discard the other four, um, which will become part of a pool that are auctioned off in the next phase of the game before the uh, game proper starts. Right. And then in that pool auction, like right after you do your initial selection, you will go around clockwise, taking turns, putting up a share from the pool and they're all face up. They're kind of shuffled around. So you can't tell who had what, and then they're all flipped face up and you can say, if it's your turn to pick one, you pick a share and say this one and I will bid zero or I will bid five or ten to have the right to put it in your hand. And whoever wins that, so it's, you know, regular old auction, increase or pass, last person standing gets it, and they will pay the money 
and then take the share and put it in their hand. And they don't own it. They just have it in their share hand. And these are shares that you can potentially buy in the, in the stock round. It's one of the places where you can buy shares from. So in a stock round, you can buy shares from your hand and you can buy as many as you want all at once. Um, if you have 10 shares of a company, you can buy them all at once if you have the money in one action. Um, you can also buy shares from a deck of cards that are face down, uh, that are ran. And this is where randomness comes into play pretty heavily. Um, you can take the top share of the deck and flip it up and say, oh, I want to buy that. Or no, I don't. And discard it. And what is the thing that happens when you discard? Um, your turn ends if you do that. No, um, but you might be, you might be thinking of the fact that you can, you can peek and if you pass, you fl you've always flip over the top card of the deck. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So if, if there's nothing that you want to buy and you, or can buy and you pass, then the top card of that deck gets flipped up face up and puts, gets put into the discard display. And the display is another place where you can buy shares from. So um, just very briefly before I, before I move on, when you buy from that face down deck, you buy, you know, look at it and you either say, I want to buy it or I don't. If you do buy it, you can then, without passing action to the next person, pick up another share and do it again. And you can do it up to three times. But once you pass, you're done. So you can keep buying down, but they're all randomized. And we didn't see anyone do, did we see anyone do two buys? I think maybe we did. I don't I think, think once. So. I think Brett did Not, it once near the end of the game. Maybe. Yeah. I don't recall anybody doing multiple blind uh, purchases. Oh, no. It was part. from the stack. I think he bought two down in, in this display. Yeah. There were a few of those. I, I did that a couple times. I think um, most of us at least once bought more than one share from the display, which kind of brings us to the next thing that if you buy from the discard, you can buy any number of of shares from the discard but you have to buy from the top down so if the share you really want is four shares down you have to buy the three on top of it before you can buy that fourth share and what makes it really tricky is that you can only sell shares as the first action in each stock round so you can't buy down the splay to get the card you want or the share you want and then sell off the the top three that you didn't really want right so the exactly luck like, of the draw can sort of prevent you from being able to get to the shares that, that you want to buy, even though nobody else is buying them. Right. And uh, th it, this whole thing is exactly like Rummy 500, if you've ever played that, um, where you, if you want something, you can take it, but you got to take everything else on top of it. And in this case, pay for it as well. Um, and that, all that, um, you know, buying random shares and buying from the splay is probably the heart of what I got frustrated with. Um, sort of we can talk more about it later but mm, parts of that i didn't really like uh, i didn't like the lack of control yeah there were a couple other uh, things that i don't think we mentioned there's a bank pool as well so when shares are sold they go into the bank pool not the discard uh, and you can also buy one share from the bank pool on your turn right i think that's covers all of those are all all the places we can actions. yeah where you can buy from the stock run and and the privates also are in that randomized deck so you might get a private in your initial hand or it might come up as a random draw or in the splay um 
or in the in the pool and i yeah and most of the privates have a, a power associated they're one-time use powers though so the unlike most other 18xx's that i've played where they either close at a certain point in the game or after their powers have been used these remain open and they still have value you can have a private use its power and then sell it to the bank pool and that private can then be bought again but it will not have a power anymore right and you can like sell it before using the power and the token goes along with it and then that the buyer whoever else it is gets to use the power so yeah they're they're interesting it's a different way of doing doing the private thing Um, yeah and kind of uh uh uh, this kind of segues into the fact that uh, companies can also, during their operating round, at the end of their operating round, buy shares out of the bank pool and private companies out of the bank pool. And we'll talk a, a little bit towards the end about the valuation of companies, but there are reasons um, other than income why a company might want to buy a already uh, used private company out of the bank pool. Uh, so they're not they're not worthless, even if they don't pay an income, they're not worthless after they've been used. Um, so a couple of things on that initial, you know, all the randomization of shares included in there are all of the director's shares, which I believe are three share directorships. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all randomly dealt out to people. So you might not get a directorship of anything. You might get more than one. Um, and companies are capitalized in this game, they start with the purchase of three shares, and that's either a director's certificate or three regular shares. But if you buy three shares from your hand and you start a company with just three shares, someone else could drop a director's certificate and another share and take the company from you. Um, or actually, well, only they have, uh, do they take it? Do they take it if they have the directorship and you just have reg- three regulars? I think if you have three or fewer regular shares, they would take it. But if you had four, then there's no way they could right could do that at that point. They just give you the director certificate, and then you take they take the the other shares in exchange. Actually, you know, I'm not sure if that's true because if you had four and they put one regular share and then a director's, I don't know if it transfers. We'd have to verify that rule. I know there were it was there was a little bit of quirkiness uh, about um, when you're protected as the director right. versus most other games. Right. But so you, you f- float a company, you start a company with the purchase of three and all the companies have pre-printed IPO prices on their certificates, which is interesting. Also, all of the companies aren't in every game. So you randomly pick a certain number of companies to be in the game and they're randomized. And then the rest of the companies that are on the map are gone. And so every map, every time you play different companies are interacting and some are, are, not there, kind of like 62. Um, and when you buy the shares, it's treated like an incremental cap game. So if you buy an IPO share at $70, 70 pounds in this game, um, you know, you would, you would get 210 pounds into the company. And then later in the game, even if your company has gotten a lot more in value, it'll still only get $71, 71 pounds when someone buys a new share of it anytime from their, from their hand or from a random uh, purchase place. Uh, all right, so I just want to make a quick correction. 
Uh, director shares are just two, uh, two shares. Not oh, okay. Three. Um, but a company either has, it's still, a, a company is still started by the purchase of a director share or through regular shares. So in the case of a director share being played, that still launches a company, even though it's not okay. 30%. At least according to the to the rule book that I'm looking at now. Yes, that's definitely. I know there's there have been some rewrites and there's no, a chance no, no, that, that this didn't is not change, correct. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, um, and then it doesn't really specify the kind of edge cases we we were talking about. It just says the person who owns the most shares is always the, either the manager or the director, depending on whether the director shares in play. Uh, so I'm I'm not clear about if there's some funky rules about stealing directorship by playing the director's suit. Yeah, I think if you have equal amounts and you drop the, if like someone floated a company with two regular shares and you floated with a director's certificate, you're the director. Yeah, I know it does specify in for a manager uh, that the first player to reach the, uh, the, the most, if, you know, more, if more than one player is tied for the most, uh, the first player to reach it is the manager. I assume that like every other 18xx game we play, that also applies for directorship. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if you drop it's it. It's a little bit different because in most games, the director share is immediately the first thing in play. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I feel underprepared. Um, oh, we didn't mention what a manager was. You want to explain that? I'll try and look. Yeah. So up. a a managed company is a company that has been started, uh, but for which there is no director. So um, because the director certs are randomly dispersed throughout the deck, uh, you could have a company with eight shares out and still have not seen the director's share. And in that case, that would be a managed company. It would operate just like a normal company. Uh, but unlike a director, uh, a company with a director, if a managed company withholds or doesn't pay a dividend, it moves back three spaces on uh, the uh, stock market track. And if it's got a director and you withhold, it only moves back one. Uh, so a managed company has a lot larger penalty for not paying out shareholders. Okay, I find the answer to the director's uh, question. So if there's a manager in play and they have, let's say they have two shares and it's the, it's the same as every other game that we've played. Basically, you need to overcome them. So if you drop the director's share, um, out of hand, and, and now you have two and they have two, they're still the director and you immediately swap. You give them the director's certificate and you take the two. So okay. You don't steal so it no fun them. No funky rules there. You still have to surpass them. Okay. Right. Um, but it does, it, it does um, you know, going back to the, to the randomness with the shares, uh, it could be uh, you you could end up in a, in a really awkward position where you have a company that's unable to withhold for capital, which actually seemed to be a pretty common thing to want to withhold for trains. Uh, but if you just keep digging and digging for the director's cert and don't find it, you could be running a company that uh, has very steep costs for withholding. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm, it didn't happen to me, but uh, I could see that being a very frustrating aspect of the game. Um, so if you're listening to this, you're hearing that it's very frustrating. <laughs> um, that's not entirely true, but there, there are definitely aspects of it that I, I didn't end up in a similar to what you just said. I didn't, I wasn't in this position, but I can imagine being in it and I wouldn't like it. 
<laughs> I would get pretty annoyed. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you could just, well, choose not to invest in that company because depending on how the shares are dealt out, you might not have a choice. You might not get a director's share and the only companies you can invest in are companies either somebody else is the director of or one that doesn't have a director. It's not necessarily up to you. Right. I didn't get any director's certificates in our game in the initial hand. And like in all eight cards that I had, I didn't have any. Um, and I still was able to start stuff. And luckily no one stole it. But anyway, that was, that was a thing. Like it was just sort of a slap in the face. Like you, not, not for you, none for you. It'd be nice if they had those in a separate deck or something and handed out a certain number of those to each player, you know, I don't know. So that you don't get overweighted with, that's, that's seemed lame. I didn't like it. Um, the trains though, the trains in this game are unique in that they don't ever rest. There's no resting in this game. Um, they are there the whole game. The train limit is two for the entire game for every company. Uh, and you generally don't want to run two trains the whole game. So the only way to deal with that is by, you can upgrade, you can take the two and trade it in and you get a discount. Um, is it the purchase value every time or is it a different number? I think there's a different number. But it's a, it's a different number, but the two, the two trains are like the same. You can buy them and then trade them in for the same amount of money. Right. Those are, the, those are unique in that they cost you essentially nothing. Right. Because you get to trade them in for full price. Yep. Yeah. Um, the trains are interesting. In addition to them not rusting and the train limit staying fixed for the whole game, uh, they're just... Not only are there weird train types, but they have the worst names ever <laughs> for knowing what they do <laughs> by looking at what they're called. Um, so the two trains make sense, right? They just run between two cities um, or towns. Uh, actually, no, they just run between two cities. So even the twos are weird. <laughs> the twos run between two cities and count every city and town on the route. So they are... They can run... Two train? No, no, oh, they no, don't... Oh, no, twos they, are, twos they are ca- They don't count this they, they get paid for dits, but they don't count against their limit. Yes, dits are friendly. Yes. So uh, that's a two train. A three train runs just like that. Same way. Three cities and counts every city and town along the route. And then you get to four E's, which are also still fairly standard for naming convention. It's a four express. Uh, you can count, you can skip any number of cities and towns, count the four, you know, anything you can reach, count the four best cities. Um, it does not count any of any towns. You can count towns instead of cities along the route, but uh, it won't count any of the like in between towns. You're not happy about it. Yeah, they're not friendly to for dits. Uh, and then you get to the weirder ones. So you get a three plus three, which to me would sound like three cities, three dits. But no, it's a normal three train, uh, but it doubles the results. So it's a three D in my mind. Yes. Uh, and then you get a 3 plus 3T, which runs like a 3 train uh, and doubles its results, but it can end its routes in towns. Which whereas normal trains do. can only end in cities. Uh, and in addition to this, w- which isn't going to make sense to anybody that doesn't know the game yet, uh, but it also ignores recessions and depressions. And it is the only game that does only this. Only train. Only train that does this. Um, and then 
I won't go through all of them, but there's like a four plus four plus four. E. Actually, there's only two more, so I will go through them. Uh, <laughs> there's a four plus four plus four E, which runs like a four E, except it triples the results. And then a four plus four plus four T, which includes up to four cities, can end in towns, uh, is not dip friendly, and triples the results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, the naming convention. We ha- I think we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is uh, Jeff Edmonds that d- designed this game. And it, what was it? No, 90 something? One second. We need to look this up. 18 Africa was designed. No. 2014. Um, okay. It was so designed the, in the naming conventions that we consider to be like standard had already been. I believe they had been. Yeah. For the most part. So, so no excuses, uh, Jeff. What were you thinking? <laughs> come on why don't why don't your naming conventions make sense to us inherently (laughs) Um, i mean we this is the only game that i can remember where we were looking up the trains and what they did like the entire game we could not remember them yeah it was it was hard for me to go like what yeah a three plus three you think should just do the normal three plus three thing or call it something else Anyway, there are a bunch of different train types and the interplay of them, you know, you're upgrading to them as you know, you're trading in trains, um, trading in a 4E for a 3 plus 3 or uh, if you miss a rank, you know, something in between. And that's hard to gauge because the map is really big. And when you lay track, we didn't mention this, but um, all of the colors of tiles are available from the start of the game. You can lay gray track on Technically, you can't on your first turn, but you can upgrade. Right, you still have to follow. Turn. Yeah, you still have to follow the hierarchy. You have to right. go from green, from yellow to, to green to brown to gray. But it's all they available. are all available, right? Um, and, or so you can upgrade, or you can lay four yellow track. So you can shoot out across the map to a destination, and it's a big map because it's Africa, and um, there's kind of some areas of not much going on. And you're trying to get to places quickly. Uh, and what was my point of this? Oh, is it just that you, you know, the way you develop your routes, you kind of need to know what trains you're going to have to to develop them nicely, or try and get certain certain trains are good for certain routes and not good for others. If you have a bunch of and towns can, in the way, and other players can mess with your routes because dits can upgrade into cities. Uh, so if somebody's got a real dit friendly train, you can go ahead and throw a city right in the middle of their their route. And cut right. them in half. Right. Which we've seen that idea used a, a bunch uh, recently in one of the uh, tracks, mainline uh, magazine games. They, they use that in one of, their, one of their games. And a few others I know have, have used that concept. So, I don't know. It's, it's a cool one. I, we didn't see like hate towns, or hate cities popping up, but it could happen. No. And, and one of the things that, uh, that the ran- and this is input randomness that I'm about to talk about, which I, I don't actually normally mind. Uh, but at the beginning of the game, you choose uh, nine out of the 14. Is that right? Nine companies? out of the 14 companies? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's nine. Uh, it's either seven or nine companies out of, the, out of the... There's 17 total in the box. You choose nine of them. Yeah. Or seven in a two-player game. Uh, so these companies, depending on how they're drawn, you could have really congested areas or really open areas and uh the way ours worked out we had like one sort of congested area in in the the northwest 
Um, and the rest of the map, really, we weren't really doing a lot of fighting for territory. Uh, so we didn't, and, and the ones that were up in the congested area all wanted to get out the same way. So we didn't really see the use of upgrading dits into cities to, to mess with people's routes. But to be fair, we were also halfway through the game at most, or, or two thirds maybe at most. Uh, so maybe that's something that would happen later in the game to mess with some of those longer trains. Right. Uh, so the other, the other thing that, uh, about dits being able to be upgraded into cities, not only do they disrupt routes, but because trains never rest, you need a mechanism that forces somebody to want a new train. And one of the ways that you can force somebody to want a new train is to make their current train run poorly, um, mm. by doing things like upgrading dits into cities. And, and, um, we actually had a very, very slow train rush, um, we didn't really know what we were doing, so there were probably mistakes made in terms of, you know, not buying trains when we should have. Um, but I think this is this is one of the ways that you can actually force people to need to buy new trains, even though their old ones aren't rusting. Right. Um, let's move on. There's a couple other. There's more than a couple actually. So we mentioned the um, the economy, uh, and in this game, there's an economy that's based on how many shares are in the bank pool. So at the beginning of the game, when you start the game, even though there's no shares in the bank pool, you start in what's called recovery. And all of the values of the cities that you're running to are the printed values. So whatever's on the map. And there are bonds that you can buy in this game. If you don't want to buy a share, you can buy a bond. And they are modeled roughly sort of as, you know, how bonds and, and, and stocks are supposed to operate in the real world, where, um, you know, when, when, uh, an economy is in recession that bonds are the more stable and good investment right and in this game if if one or two shares are in the bank pool then you're in what's re recovery was what you start the game in if three to six are in the bank pool then you're in recession where values of cities are 10 less than their printed uh, what their printed values are so you know a 30 is worth a 20 and so all of a sudden you're running for less uh, and then bonds pay 30 instead of the 15 in recovery that they would pay. And then in depression, when there's seven or more shares in the, in the um, bank pool, values are 20 less than they're printed and bonds pay 40. So they, they pay more as deeper in depression as you go. And companies also will start dropping values at the start of their ORs in depression. It's not good. We, you can also be in boom if there's no shares in the bank pool and values for all the cities are increased by 20 and bonds only pay 10. So that's kind of an interesting modeling. I haven't ever seen that in, in an XX game, but it was, it was pretty cool. And you mentioned that the game always starts in recovery. After the second operating round, if there are fewer, if there are no shares in, you immediately go, go into boom. Uh, right. We didn't actually have any bonds purchased in our game, so we didn't really get to... We did, we did get to see uh, a recession at one point, I believe. Um, yeah. And we were in boom at least once, uh, there, there was a point at which I realized I should have bought a bond because it was going to pay more than what I had bought instead, but I sort of forgot they existed. Right. And they cost a hundred. So if, if, you know, if you are in recession or depression, they don't take long to, to at least break even. Yeah. And they'll never pay less than 10. So you'll never have a, uh, you know, unlike a share, which could be worthless. A bond will always have some payout. Yeah. 
there's a couple other map related things. Um, it's a pretty, uh, I, I guess I would say this is a pretty operationally focused game. Not, not so much shares. Definitely because of the, yeah, the randomness, the randomness kind of prevents it from being able to be a stock market shenanigan game, especially cause you can also only sell as your first action. So there's yeah. Yeah. Very limited things that you can do. That was a pretty cold take on my, on my part. <laughs> I guess maybe it's operationally focused. Um, so with that, there are other things. There's a few small things on the map. Um, connection bonuses. If your company is the first to connect to a, to a city, um, if you connect the city to your network for the first time, you get, is it you get paid? You, the player, or the company? It's the company. The company just gets the value of the uh, city into its treasury? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's only if it's the first... It, it's only if it's the first company to connect that city into its network. Right. And we did establish, I think, that upgrading a town into a city doesn't count and you don't get paid for that. Um, what other weird things? Uh, the red hexes are, they have like a bonus value. They're not inherently, they, they sort of have uh, a value, but if you, like it might say plus 40 or plus zero. Some of them, some of them say plus zero. And their worth is whatever the highest valued city you hit on that route with that train was, plus whatever modifier they have. So if it's a plus zero and you hit a 50, then they're worth 50. Uh, so what else? Oh, so uh, another uh, interesting thing is uh, concessions. So uh, concessions don't start in the game, but after the first set um, of stock round and operating round, before the second stock round, um, there is an auction for concessions. It's actually an auction. You're actually auctioning the right to choose a concession. Uh, so there's uh, multiple locations on the map for each of these commodities or concessions. There is a source location. Uh, so you'll have uh, things like cotton, gold, copper, dates. There are pick pickaxe symbols on all of the on all of the commodities. So I thought it was funny that the dates are uh, are extracted from date mines. Uh, so. <laughs> You will, will bid on the right to choose a concession. If you win the bid, you get to choose a concession. And there's a source location and one or two, in some cases, uh, destinations where you want to deliver those concessions. So if your route contains both the source and one of the delivery locations, uh, there's a bonus. And it's a fixed bonus that's determined by the type of concession. So cotton is uh, the most uh, valuable. You get 100 uh is it what's the currency actually it's pounds it's pounds you get a hundred pound bonus for uh delivering cotton uh, i think gold is uh gold and copper are okay dates i think we're a little bit less um so you'll auction them off one at a time until there is one commodity left so one commodity will not be in the game every game i think that's independent of player count yes uh, was there any anything really more to, to say? About I mean, they, we kind of had a weird auction in our game for them. Yeah, I I got the first one, which was the cotton up front, and then never had to worry about it again. And um, I got it's one of those meta game things where like I bid twenty, I think, for that, and at that point everyone was like, oh well, I'll I'll pay less than that, and then everybody went on to pay more than like twenty or more for their concessions that were less good. But and it, it sounds were, stupid. <laughs> it sounds stupid to think that, right? Like you think the the 
the option to be able to choose first should be most valuable. But the reason that it wasn't was because we're all in different parts of the map. So Eric was the high bidder and everybody's like, well, Eric's not going to take the one I want anyway. So why am I going to outbid him? I'll, right. I'll wait until there's a, another auction that I need to win. Uh, but what ended up happening is Eric got a steal on the best commodity. And then we were all fighting over the same ones and we were paying ridiculous amounts. For more than 20 to get commodities. Yes. Like 40 or I something. don't know. I guess I don't know what ridiculous amounts are, but it seemed ridiculous compared to the fact that Eric just got his dirt cheap. Yeah. I paid like uh, the low, the low bid, I think. Yeah. And got the one I wanted and it was the highest paying one. And I mean, they're basically just like, they shape your route a little bit. Like you need to make sure you hit the source and one of the, if there's two destinations, one of the two or just the one. Um, so they kind of say, they dictate where you should go if you have them, if you're concentrating okay. on them. And I say it was a little bit of a weird auction, not only because of the, the way the, the values uh, were kind of flipped of what you'd expect, but I wanted either cotton or copper. And, uh, you know, I knew Eric was probably going to take cotton, but I figured nobody else would want copper based on where we were all located. And copper was like the last one. And there were two of us left. And we just had this insane bidding war and I was really surprised. Uh, but the thing is, is that the track is not obvious what you can lay and how easy it is to get to places. So the person that won copper thought it was going to be really good. And I don't think he ever ended up connecting nope. or delivering copper. No. Um, and I don't even think it was going to be where I know we didn't play the full game, but I don't think it was ever going to be worth it for him to, to try to get there overdoing other things. Yeah. Yeah. It might've been a misplay. But it did it hurt you in the end for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're running low on the 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 different things that make this game unique. There's a few other that we yeah, there's a few left that we haven't mentioned. Um, there's transcontinental bonuses if you go from it's basically like far distances. There are certain cities that want to connect, and if you get them, you get bonuses, kind of like an east-west run in forty-six. Um, we didn't see any of those fulfilled, but we, again, we only played a partial game. Um, something that Johnny did mention partially is that companies at the end of their OR can, um, sell and then sell as many as they want and then buy a share. And they can only buy shares of companies in the bank pool that don't, that, that aren't their shares. So some other company. And then when that company operates, and if it pays out, it pays out into the treasury of the, the company. And at the end of the game, uh, you can also buy privates that way, too. Companies can buy them in. And that's the only way to get them into the, into the company in this game. You can't, like, sell it in and cross-buy from yourself. You have to sell it to the bank pool and have the company buy it, which is, which is unique. So you can't, like, take money out of the company that way into your hand. But at the end of the game... Um, each share value is, uh, each share is valued based on face value plus 10% of the value of the shares they own. So normal, you know, it, if a share is worth $100, it's worth 10, right? 10, 10. Yeah. And I just want to correct what you said face value, but it's, it's market value. Market value. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 10% then, of the yes, market 10% value. 10% of. So yeah, it's it's ten percent of the market value of that company, um, plus ten percent of the market value of the shares that they own. So oh. if they own, if they own, so let's say they're at two hundred on the on the stock market, 
yeah, yeah, and they yeah. own one share of a company that's worth $200, they would add $20 to their $200 valuation. Um, and then private, private companies are 10% of their face value are added to the company's value and 5% of the face value of the trains that the company owns. Right. You add all those together and that gets your company. They don't seem like a big deal, like 10%, 10% and 5%, but it made a huge difference. We did, we did like an example end game calculation when we packed it up for the night and it made a big difference because it's per share and it's jumping you up, you know, 20, 40, whatever it's, it's a lot. Plus, you're getting the company's getting paid out too, so it's it's benefiting during the game and at the end. And yeah, we didn't calculate everybody's score, but um, I owned a company that was the only company that actually owned shares in privates, right? And its its value, uh, I don't know the exact amount, but it was a very very large jump on the stock market track. Like it was it was like five or six jumps, right, on the stock market. And you can quad jump in this game too, right? You can single up to quad jump depending on how well you pay. And if, if your company has enough cash and can see, if it can foresee that a company is about to quad jump once and then triple jump again or something like that, then if it buys that share, gets paid a bunch from it and then sells it, to, then, it then it can do very well with that if it doesn't need to buy a train. So it seems, um, circumstance, like a, if the circumstance occurs, it would be a cool thing to pull off. But. Yeah, I think you'd mostly want to hang on to it because of the impact it has on your final value. But if you're if you're stuck in a situation where you really need that next train, uh, that could be a, a nice way to to get some capital quickly. Right. Uh, is there anything else? I mean, th- we highlighted everything. No, I I think that's it. Um, so I I did want to I you know I started up front with I was gonna give my overall impression and then we'll talk about the details. So, um, now that we've actually talked about some of those details, to be more specific. Um, I, I really liked some of the things like the commodities. I, I liked the idea of all track being available, um, being able to, to do funky things with cities, blocking people. Um, what else? Um, the economy was a really cool idea. Yep. But the, the randomness, the things, so I actually, I think I was doing fairly well, um, so I, I didn't get screwed by the randomness, but I could see this game just going either way. It could just really not go your way, even if you're the most skilled player out there uh, at the table. So I don't like the, the, the fact that there is a chance that you could sit down and be the most skilled person at the table and still lose just by, by luck. And so in, in our game in particular... Um, the train's not rusting was, and this could have just been poor play, but we had a extremely slow train rush. There was nobody buying trains and, uh, two of, well, I say nobody, there were five of us playing, uh, two of us bought trains and we really couldn't do more to push the trains. And we were like trying to convince people to buy trains, but everybody's like, why would I do that? I've got this train that's running well and this train's running well. There was at least two hours where nobody was buying trains and people were even like people wanted the next train down in the stack. And I think this had a lot to do with one of the experienced players at the table uh, said at the very beginning of the game, this is the worst. I don't even remember which train it was. I think it was the three. Um, three plus three. 
It might have been the three plus three. He was like, it's the worst train in the game. Avoid it at all costs. Don't ever buy the three plus three. And then everybody was just trying to dodge that train. And I think right before we finished, we finally, somebody started a new company. We finally got that train out of the way and people were ready to start buying trains. And then we, we stopped the game. Uh, but there was uh, not an exaggeration, at least two hours where, where nobody was buying trains. Uh, and I, I didn't particularly love that, but that could have just been the first play. I, I know I made a mistake in not buying trains. And I was the reason, one of the big reasons why we stalled uh, until it was kind of too late. And I was like, ah, I don't know what to do here. Um, so for me, I had an experience where I had a little bit of money, enough to buy a share, and, and one, of the, one stock round, or maybe two stock rounds. And um, I would watch a share come out of the random deck that, that I could afford. And I was like, ooh, I, I want that share. It's worth money. It, it's paying well. And then it would go away by the time it came back around to me. And then I would pass because nothing was available. And by passing, would take a share off the top of the deck and it would be a share that I could buy. And I was like, ah, there, okay. Um, or it was one down. Because you can always peek, right? You can always peek at one. And Yes, you can always peek. Right. And, and you, you take the top one and you look at it and you say, oh, I can't afford this and put it down. And then the next person who would pass, I would be able to buy that share. And it happened three or four times around the table and I'm sitting here on money and it was very frustrating. And I did not like that. Um, what else? The, the, the game length, um, it's too long for me for what it is. I'm excited. I've heard they've advertised 18 India as a, as a three hour experience, roughly three hours, which sounds fantastic. If it's this kind of an idea riffs riffs on this idea set um in a shorter package i'm all about that that sounds cool so i'm definitely interested to see what those guys did with this um and and how many of these ideas they used i don't know how many of these are in mainline because i haven't played mainline because i know that's that's where they took this stuff from um jeff edmonds but yeah it it's long and it's like you said kind of flip a coin and see how you it's not that bad it's not a 50 50 chance but you definitely have a an opportunity and yes everybody has an equal opportunity to get screwed right it, and it can happen but it's it's very dissatisfying when it doesn't go your way and it goes someone else's way more than once and you're watching i think it happen. the the thing that makes me scratch my head a little bit is the only being able to sell is your first action because that actually exacerbates the randomness factor right because you don't know what you're going to flip if you if you can't afford the very first thing on the top of the deck and you have to make a decision at that point do I want to sell and hope something good comes up you have to make that decision with no information right or a lot uh, less yeah a lot less information um that that decision to to only allow selling as the first action i don't know if it was meant to speed things up uh but it just on top of already having randomness that just it was not that was one of my least favorite rules in the game. Yeah. So I think in summary, a lot of cool ideas that we really liked. Willing to give it another shot. Not our favorite uh, game that we've played. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I okay. mean, I, I am... I don't really like randomness much in games in general, uh, but I tolerate randomness when it's in short you know, family-friendly games because there are people that I like playing games with. I, I enjoy the social aspect uh, that don't want to play these zero randomness games with me. 
Yes, it's uh, nice to have. But the... I, I don't want to sit there for five or six hours in a game that can be decided by a bad draw. Right. Just in and, general. Yeah, I don't know if our if our five hour playtime is indicative. You know, and that, again, partial partial playtime is indicative of what a real play. You know, with experienced players, is usually it's a lot less than that first play, right? So it might only be a six hour game or a five hour game total with with experienced players. But even that, that's a long time to sit down with a with such an impact from from random events. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move Not on. Much more to say about that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna move on to uh, pay withhold dividends. That's upcoming streams. Um, we don't have a new listener question this week because or this month this episode not not it's not a timeline thing it's an episode thing we didn't have anything but if you want to talk about something send us a a note uh one of our contact methods that we'll list at the end of the episode please get in touch with us we would be happy to talk about stuff you want to talk about but we don't have anything pressing right now for that we do have upcoming streams uh and news we are going to be at captain con in february that's february 4th through 6th we're going to be there with our wives, that's in Rhode Island, uh, and some friends. So if you want to come, they, they actually just announced, by the way, uh, today in an email that that was a fully vaccinated event. Um, masks encouraged, but not enforced. Uh, or if you're not vaccinated, you have to have like a, a proof of a, a fault, you know, negative COVID negative test within 72 hours of pickup of your badge. So a couple updates there, but we will be there. It's a, it's a nice casual uh, event in Rhode Island where there's just a big old hall of tables and you just go and play. So if you're in the area and you're... We're not there for uh, train games, but we, we did play one last time. We, we got did. a couple new players to play with us and we would definitely play if any of you uh, show up and tell yeah. us that you're going to be there. We'll schedule a game for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think we can definitely fit one, one XX in. Sure. Um, Total Con. We will be at Total Con. So this is our... February is our big <laughs> con month. <laughs> that we have established that these are things that we can do. TotalCon, I believe, is at the same time as the Chattanooga Railway um, contest th- this year or every year. I don't know. That that's hard harder for us to to do. But TotalCon is in Marlboro, Mass, and we can drive down and do a night there and come back up without uh, incurring too much uh, wrath from our partners for being away and not being away and playing too many games um (laughs) so that's between february 24th and 27th and we're not sure exactly what day we're going to be there it's probably either going to be friday or saturday stay over one night at the hotel and play a little bit the next day so if you're going to be in the area for that there is a big well not a big there's a room (laughs) there's a dedicated 18xx room there where a lot of experienced players uh you know will be there generally so stop by say hi we will have more details on that in a future episode when we know more about when we're going to be, be there. There's also a big, uh, for anybody interested, there's a big, uh, crayon rails, uh, following mm-hmm. that, that, that goes to total con. So there's usually a bunch of crayon rails in addition to XX going on. Right. And I think technically they do like a contest, like who does the best, but mm-hmm. we just played games. Yeah. I there. couldn't win if I tried. So, uh, I didn't yeah. even know that. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the case. Um, we also have an upcoming upcoming stream scheduled for once. 1880. We're going to play 1880 on December 9th. And uh, I believe Eric Bushes is going to be teaching that. Uh, even though we've already streamed 1880, uh, we're, we're going to do it with the pros. So that's going to be fun. Um, 
Oh, uh, train facts. We don't really have a train fact, do we? I have a thing but, that I could share. Oh, okay. But I don't. I, can't. I need to like go and read the article again. It's an interesting oh. thing that uh, on our Twitter, if you saw the interaction between Andrew and me, and he posted a, a link to an article. I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, Did you have a thing you wanted to do instead? I'd rather not. Uh, my wife uh, is a big fan of the show Downton Abbey. And so she she wanted to watch it again, and she uh, wanted me to watch it with her, of course. So Should, we've been watching. Spoiler that. warning: it, This, yes. Yeah, so sorry, th- this is a spoiler. I think the show's been out long enough uh, that this is probably fair game. But if you are planning on watching the show, stop listening now or yeah. fast forward a couple minutes. Um, so, uh, so we're watching Downton Abbey, and in in an episode, the uh, the Earl of Grantham, uh, who is the owner of Downton Abbey, found out that he had uh, lost basically all of his money. He had invested in the Grand Trunk Railway, which he was told was uh, an an investment that could not fail. And the uh, the railway, and I'm saying this is sort of a fact because I didn't really research this too much, but the Grand Trunk Railway got absorbed into the uh, Canadian National Railway, I believe. So all of his uh, all of his investment into the railway um, basically just disappeared uh, when the railway got absorbed into the Canadian National, uh, and the Abbey uh, nearly had to to shut down uh, because of that bad investment. And I just normally I wouldn't have thought twice about it if I was watching that uh, several years ago before I'd gotten into 18xx and, and trains um, but I was like oh I know about that railway I know about the Canadian National a little bit because I've seen it in games and did you like run downstairs and get 1856 and like, <laughs> run up to Marlene and be like no let me but show I did you. I did tell her I was like oh I, I know that that railway and <laughs> hey cool I know that guy <laughs> and she was like yeah I don't care <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, nice little tidbit. I like it. Let's ease us back into the train facts. Yeah, it's it's fun seeing like references in pop culture that I would have just passed right over my head uh, before getting into this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it is cool. Well, I think that wraps us up, right? Yeah, I feel very well wrapped. Excellently wrapped. You've been listening to Train Shuffling. We've been your hosts, Eric Hyden and Johnny Hollander. If you want to get in touch with us about anything we said in this episode, we can be reached at trainshuffling at gmail.com, on Twitter at trainshuffling, on our BGG guild number 3710 that no one posts at ever, on our hotline 410-357-1898, and if you want to support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash trainshuffling. Um, run your chains and pay your divs. Run them, pay them. Run them, pay them. <laughs> Shortening our slogan. <laughs> Run and pay. Those or days. half pay, at the very yeah. least. Yeah. Half pay at the, at the very least. Don't be a monster. All right. Keep calm and half pay. Keep calm and half pay. <laughs> Keep calm and pay the divs. All right. Cool. Cool.
Johnny out. Here we go.